Hey everyone, happy Wednesday. It's Wednesday. It's Wednesday already. This week has been really full for whatever reason. It has felt really full and like it shouldn't just be Wednesday, but here we are. It's Wednesday. Wednesdays are are a, a full day for me. How are you Wednesdays? I think your Wednesday is pretty much the same as mine. Pretty much. Pretty yeah. full. Yes. Um, hey, Jeff. That's fun. Hey, if you're on here, tell us hello. We like to know who it is that we're talking to. Um, okay. So we, we call this broadcast Kingdom Indivisible, and there is a reason behind it. And as I was listening to the intro music, I I was like, oh, maybe we should like point to that at least. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Something that, that came about as um as we were just considering what it was that that God was calling us into as a ministry and and really feel like one of the major calls on our, our ministry is to reveal oneness. And, um, and so this morning, that is what we are going to attempt to do, but not necessarily one to another, but to, to lay out and investigate some scriptures that reveal the union between the Godhead, the Trinity, the Holy Trio, whatever it is that you affectionately call them. That's where we're going this morning. What do you affectionately call them? Tell us in the comments. This is going to be yeah, fun. This, this gonna be <laughs> Holy Trio is probably my favorite. Mine and, too. Um, maybe it's a slightly irreverent. I don't know. <laughs> That's what I go with, though. <laughs> um, it, it, not something that really gets investigated all that much, and um. Years ago, I, I had a, a vision of the three of them huddled together at the beginning, you know, like coming up with this grandiose plan that we know as life and 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 creation and and just laying it all out in a, a, a wonderful conversation over a cup of coffee. Yes, I realize they don't drink coffee, but this in my imagination is how it went down is they 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 had an afternoon of just really laying out hey let's do this you know let's let's create sons and daughters and and so for me that that was just a fun revelation to to really begin to connect with how the three are one yet distinct they each bring something so distinct and ultimately reveal one another they they function in a complementary fashion and um and and have come to honor one another and and so if we had to lay out a trail we would see that the father is revealing jesus right and then jesus revealing the father the spirit revealing the sons of god and then what i just love and i love this portion of scripture so much is that the sons of God get to reveal redemption to all of creation because we know in in Romans 8 that that the all of creation is eager and groans in expectation or like the passion translation says are standing on tiptoe waiting for the revealed sons and daughters of glory and and so that is so fun and and so that's kind of the trail that that I want us to to somewhat dive into this morning um chris a holy huddle or a holy cuddle which one i said huddle but i like the huddle. idea of a holy cuddle you did say huddle and that took my brain in a different direction from afternoon coffee and discussion from huddled up and okay ready break let's go do this now <laughs> I know, I know. Gosh, the imagination can be a scary place. Um, I love the scripture too, Pam. Hi, Pam. Miss you. You should pop in someday for a visit. Pam just spent, sent me a funny picture. <laughs> made me made me giggle. But um, <laughs> anyway, let's get back on track. Um, so let we want to to just dive into some different parts of of scripture, and I think that to lay a good foundation here, we have no choice but to go back to the garden and and kind of track back through what took place there, and and why did we need 
a savior? Why did we need Jesus revealed? And um, so with the fall, prior to the fall, we know that the father came walking daily in the cool of the day, it says. And um, and just to be, just to be with Adam and Eve. And, um, And he was their source of image. He's where they pulled identity from. When he would come walking, they would look into him as if in a mirror and say, aha, this is who I am. Yes, Chris, behave. Oh. Uh, don't. <laughs> um, and so the moment that, that we have with Eve and the serpent and the the forbiddable tree, right? Where the, the one tree that they were told not to eat from was the first time that that Eve saw herself in a, a different mirror, if you will. She she pulled her image from a different source for the first time. When, and it was it was deception, right? Are you sure your image bearer actually said that? And so the first time she's not just slipping up, she's seeing herself in a, a marred way, like she is seeing a um, distorted version of who she is, and she falls into it. She gives way to it, and um, because we were never, we were never to desire to to be God. We were we were to be content with being His children, His creation, and and, and not to reach for. I want to be. God. And that's what is put on the table before her is, are, are you sure? You know? And, and so, and then we know that Adam follows suit and, and also eats of the fruit. And so we have them hiding and attempting to cover up their nakedness, which by the way, they were naked prior to, they just, they weren't aware. They, they weren't, um, shame wasn't in the picture. And suddenly shame comes into the picture. Now we can look at this portion of scripture in a couple, couple of different ways. We, we have the heavy handed God that, that some have presented of like, you've messed up and now I can't be around you because you are too sin ridden and, and I, I think that that's an errant way to, to view what, what is actually taking place here. I think that we have to look at what the father is doing as protection, because had Adam and Eve remained in the garden in their current fallen state, and you got to remember that it was only in our minds. It was on our end. We were enemies in our minds with God. God was not... Um, he, he didn't set himself up as, as our enemy. We, we were enemies with God in our own minds that that was due to the fall, due to the shame and the guilt that was brought on by the disobedience. And so it's the protection to remove them from a space where they had access to the tree of life. Had they continued to feast on the tree of life in that state, it would have been bad. It would have been bad for humanity. So it is actually grace. It is actually mercy that the father removes them from this place. And, and I like to think of, uh, of this moment as, as the father having the son, the lamb of God in his back pocket during this entire exchange, because we know that the lamb of God was slain at the foundation of the earth. So from this moment, this moment of fallenness, the father begins to reveal the son immediately. I mean, we have an immediate exchange of revelation in the conversation that's taking place between the father and Adam and Eve. And, and, and I love that part of scripture in Genesis three, if you want to go back and read it, we're not going to go there because we have a load of scripture <laughs> to, to flip through this morning. So um, with that, Vince, I'm going to bounce it over to you and, and take us where it is you'd like to go. Uh, this this topic is just so broad and so pointed all at the same time. It's it can be uh, difficult to know where to to stop at one point, like you're talking about, <laughs> and go in a, another direction. But uh, for this uh, breadcrumbs, uh, we're giving you breadcrumbs. <laughs> yes, there there is going to need need more investigation on your part after this broadcast for sure. But. Uh, for me, you know, thinking about God's revelation of himself, this lies at the heart uh, 
of of all he has revealed in in scripture and and this is this is what you're you're getting to and, and so in a very real sense our understanding of any part of uh of scripture uh, of the scripture and revelation is, is dependent upon our acceptance of god's revelation of himself and uh, a revelation which is is denoted by by this term trinity or holy trio whichever you prefer or something else still <laughs> looking for some of those in the comments over here by the way I probably never considered renaming them <laughs> probably not uh, it, it's been said the Trinity is the point in which all Christian ideas and interests unite at once the beginning and the end of all insight into Christianity, which I, I think is is a great uh, little quote. I forgot to grab who it's by, but uh, basically it, it's it's saying this is this is where we start. This is where we end. This is the the essence of of all of that, and. Uh, we can't separate them out. The, the doctrine of the Trinity really emphasizes the, the unity of the divine essence here. And, and theologians, I, I found this term uh, used. It's uh, the numerical, numerical essence. Uh, but the, in this, they, they call his, his numerical essence. It's one, but it's also indivisible. Like, you can't separate this out. So each uh, Trinitarian person possesses the undivided essence, not a fragment of it. This is, this is where we have to, to look at the Trinity rightly and not look at it fragmented. That to really imagine the, the three persons of, of the Godhead each having a third of this divine essence, it really, it's, it's an absurdity, right? I mean, I think we can agree on that. Uh, infinity cannot be fragmented or fractionalized. You, you can't, you can't separate it out. There is uh, in the Westminster Shorter Catechism uh, under one of their questions, it answers: There are three persons in the Godhead: the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. These three are one God, the same in substance, equal in power and glory. Hmm. So again, the the doctrine of the Trinity does not teach that that God is is one and three in the same sense. Uh, that that's absurd. There is no contradiction in saying that God is one as to His uh, eternal spiritual essence, and that that divine essence exists necessarily in three modes, each of which is is spoken of in Scripture in, in personal terms. Uh, we do not look at this as as three and one, but he is three in one and one in three. It's not an and, it's an in. So we can look at it this way, uh, not because we understand it, because really, if you could understand uh, an infinite God, your mind would be infinite itself. Right. Uh, but because uh, the word of God warrants such statements, uh, the scripture warrants it. Uh, the, the teaching of scriptures concerning God cannot be fully and really faithfully interpreted apart from uh, such Trinitarian statements that, that we're talking about here. And you can look at Deuteronomy 6.4. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So uh, that God is one. This uh, this is established beyond all doubt there in Deuteronomy six four. And uh, looking at the Father is truly God, the Son is truly God, and the Holy Spirit is truly God. If you look at First Corinthians eight six, it says, uh, "Yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom all things and for whom we exist, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are." all things and through whom we exist. And uh, in John 1, 1 through 3, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And so that clearly establishes the deity of, of the Son. 
of Jesus. And then in Acts 5, 3 through 5, the um, episode where Peter is talking to Ananias and asking him why Satan has filled his heart uh, to lie to the Holy Spirit, this is doing the same thing uh, with the Holy Spirit and setting up uh, uh, his, uh, his deity, his, his divinity. And so uh, the Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Father, and, and neither is the Holy Spirit. There is, there is separation there. And it, it's something that we can't move away from. And we can, we can find in, in Scripture... Still, even in the Old Testament, while there is no necessary reference to Jesus, there is reference to the capital W word. There is reference to wisdom, and we can see uh, that in play. And and later, through the writings of the New Testament, we can see that pointing back to Jesus there. And so it's, uh, it's a wonderful thing for us to be able to look at the unity here and not separate out that there is a distinction in the Godhead, but yet there is no separation. There is no um, fragmenting there. We have, we have access to the fullness of the Godhead. We aren't just given a, a piece of him. Yes, we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, but that doesn't mean there's separation there. Right. which I think is important to, to again, bring out is like you mentioned before, separation is only in our minds. It doesn't actually exist in the reality that uh, we share as sons of God. And so I, I really just wanted to, to kind of talk about that for a minute uh, before we get into even more scripture here, because um, there, there is a, great number of places that we're about to point to uh, yeah. that, that discuss this and, and and oneness within that yeah that there there is a, a complementing nature going on there is uh distinct things that they're doing but they aren't separated from each other when they're doing these things and and that's really hard for us mm-hmm. with our our finite minds and, and our humanity to to grab hold of fully. This is one of those things we take on faith and, uh, but we have evidence in scripture to be able to point to that and, and know that it's true. Yeah. And so um, I think that a really good place for us to look is, is Isaiah nine. Let's, let's go there. We're going to start in, in verse six and, and this is going to throw a little bit of wrench a little bit of a wrench into to what it is that that you just laid out there, but I promise you, we're gonna we're gonna untangle this. Um, so this is this is Isaiah revealing the Son of God, right? This is this is mm-hmm. Isaiah revealing the Christ being born, Emmanuel, God with us, right? I love this portion of scripture, and how ideal is it that it's Christmas time and we're reading this? Um, so we're in Isaiah nine, starting in six. A child has been born for us, a son given to us. The responsibility of complete dominion, complete dominion, I love that, Um, will rest on his shoulders and his name will be, oh my gosh, I just think we need to take a praise break really quick. Can I, I, we just need to read that again. Get ready. Let the praise rise up in you because we are just going to take a little praise break. A child has been born for us. A son has been given to us. The responsibility of complete dominion will rest on his shoulders. Can we just celebrate that really quick? Just celebrate the fact that the responsibility of complete dominion will rest upon his shoulders and he is one who can carry it. It is a burden that Christ can carry. Because his name is wonderful, counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, great and vast will be his dominion. He will bring immeasurable peace and prosperity. He will rule on David's throne and over David's kingdom to establish and uphold it 
promoting justice and righteousness from this time forward and forevermore. The marvelous passion that the Lord Yahweh, commander of the angel armies, has for his people will ensure that it is finished. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Interesting. The wrench I speak of is that one of Jesus' names is Everlasting Father. Now, this right here, let's not get caught up in the, the feeling of like, ah, I don't know how to rightly divide them. You know, we just said that they are distinctly themselves. And yet here we have one of the names of Jesus is Everlasting Father. Let me try and like break this down for you. And this is an invitation for us as well. They are so intimate. The three of them have such an intimacy that it would be hard to separate them. Very, very difficult for us to separate them, to draw lines between, well, you do this and he does that. It it would be very difficult for for us to be able to do that. And, And the representation that Jesus brought to the earth was that of an everlasting father. This is huge. This is huge. He portrayed the heart of the Father in such a way that we, as sons and daughters of God, cannot rightly divide. And this is beautiful for us because this is what we're invited into. We are invited into a company of people who buy into that level of union, that level of oneness, that you should not actually, we should be moving as a company, as, as a bride, that, that you would not be able to see us as individuals, but as one body. Isn't that the call? That we be one body, that you might not know whether it was the foot or the hand that did the work. Come on. This is what we're invited into. And so one of Jesus's names being everlasting father is just beautiful. It's just absolutely beautiful that they are so willing to represent one another seamlessly. Let's do that. Let's represent one another seamlessly. And we know in the book of Joel that it talks about an army, right? And they are not jostling for position, but I'm afraid the body of Christ has been caught jostling for position. We have been caught in the drama, in the very act of jostling for position and reaching for platform and and prominence and limelight. And and that's not the call. The call is to, to be a pure and spotless bride. And in order for us to do that, we've got to take on the same Godhead mentality, holy trio mentality and say, I am my brother's keeper which is much further than just saying, I'm going to hold him accountable much further. I'm going to represent him. I'm going to honor him in such an extreme way that you're not going to be able to divide. That's what I have. I don't think that throws a wrench or contradicts anything. I said, (laughs) I think it it just uh, brings more light on it there. Um, you're talking about the jostling for position. This this is what brings division to the body rather than multiplication. And it just goes back to the idea that I've had for some time now when thinking about the body of Christ in, in this manner of, of getting their elbows out and wanting to make space for themselves rather than for one another of, of the bride of Frankenstein here, or, or excuse me, Frankenstein's monster right. uh, as the bride of Christ, where we are... are pieces sewn together and we're trying to zap life into this thing rather than uniting in oneness and being part of, of the body itself and, and sourcing life from Jesus, sourcing life from the true source, the, the tree of life, rather than trying to, um, energize it ourselves we, we just can't do it and and it just it just divides oneness rather than multiplies it and you know the the famous prayer of jesus from john 17 uh, yeah. starting in verse 20 says i do not ask for these only also for those who believe in me through their words so those of us today uh it, 
uh, are the ones who believe through the words of ones that wrote uh, the, the scriptures that we read, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. This, this oneness, it's so hard to grasp because we, we do it so poorly. Uh, and because we oftentimes will we'll, we'll want to get into community, want to really dive into oneness with one another, but we, we, don't, we don't know how to forget ourselves. We don't know how to say that I know these people that are surrounding me have the exact same intention towards me that I have towards them. Mm -hmm. And and that is to, to bring the fullness of who I, who I am to, to share all things in common and not just think about money, not just think about materialistic goods, but let's bring the whole self into that. Right. And, and so we really have to, Look at things like this prayer. Look at uh, uh, the scriptures from Isaiah 9 and, and all the other scriptures that talk about the Godhead and, and oneness there and how they are not sticking their elbows out to make room for themselves. It's about one another. It's about oneness right. and, and being together. And it's it's just really hard at times to to get around that. We have our preferences that we just absolutely love to hold on to like they are actual scripture and uh, want to beat people over the head with them to control and and manipulate. And it's just that has no place of oneness. That has no place in the body. And and as soon as it is drawn into the body, you, you might as well just think about about the monster being pieced together. Right. The, yeah. the parts do not fit. Go ahead. And, and I think that that we, we can't grasp oneness because we have not practiced denying ourselves. And, and that's the call. You know, deny yourself, pick up your cross, come after me. Deny yourself, pick up your cross, come after me. I, I, it's, it's, it's very clear. Jesus was very clear in what it would take to accomplish what it is that he's after. And he is the only one found worthy to receive the reward of his suffering. The only one found worthy. And so why we're not practicing denying ourselves is beyond me. We, we love to gratify, gratify our flesh. And it's the very thing that he speaks against. The very thing. Do not gratify your flesh. Deny yourself. So until we begin to practice denying ourselves and picking up our cross and coming after him, we're not going to have any knowledge or understanding of oneness. We're not because we are going to continue to promote self and, 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 and deny our brother, right? Like that's what, that's what we have been caught doing is, is promoting self and denying our brother. And that looks nothing like denying self, picking up your cross and coming after Jesus. Um, I, I want to, I want to jump over to um, John eight really quick. This is an epic part of scripture. And um, <clears throat> this is Jesus going toe to toe with the Pharisees who are just super indoctrinated and good Hebrew children and are, you know, they're, they are the ones that, that he says of them that, that they wash the outside of the cup, but the inside is dirty. And, and so we're going to be in John eight and we're going to start around um, 52. And um, let me just give you a little background here in case you're, you're unsure where we're going. Um, they are actually bringing up before Jesus, you know, that they're, they're actually accusing him of being demon possessed as if, and, um, and, and their argument before Jesus is our father, Abraham, right? 
So this is Jesus has come to represent his father, God. And their argument is our father, Abraham. So actually, let's start in let's start in 53. Do you think you're greater than our father, Abraham and all the prophets? (laughs) You are so delusional about yourself that you make yourself greater than you are. Jesus answered them. If I were to tell you how great I am, it would mean nothing. But my father is the one who will prove it and will glorify me. Isn't he the one you claim is your God? But in reality, you've never embraced him as your own. I know him and I would be a liar like yourselves if I told you anything less than that. I have fully embraced him and I treasure his every word. And not only that, Abraham, your ancestor, was overjoyed when he received the revelation of my coming to earth. Yes, he foresaw me coming and was filled with delight. Mm -hmm. I can feel their anger. But many of the Jewish leaders doubted him and said, what are you talking about? You're not even 50 years old yet. You talk like you've seen Abraham. Turns out he enjoyed a meal with Abraham. (laughs) Jesus said to them, I give you this eternal truth. I existed long before Abraham was born. For I am the I am. Another translation says, long before Abraham was. That's our God. That's our God. That's our God. Look how beautifully he puts their unity on display here. You can admire Abraham all you want, boys. I am the genius behind the father you claim. Come on. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. That's just fun. That's just fun. (laughs) I would be lying like you. I would be lying like you. Oh my goodness. I just, just love to uh, stir things up. I like in uh, John 16, verse 13, he says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me for he will take what is mine and declare to you all that the father has is mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare to you. This is a great revelation here of, of in telling the people that are following him, telling his disciples that this is what is coming. So we have that right there where he is laying out before Abraham was I am. I am. And and that statement right there caused the 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 Jewish leaders to want to stone him. They picked up stones to kill him because he said that. And then right here, it's talking about the Holy Spirit's going to come and he is going to give you the words. He's going to speak about me. He is going to declare these things to the world about me through you. It's absolutely incredible because you are, are going to be emboldened to be able to speak the same truth with the same authority. Yeah. And I just absolutely love it. Absolutely love that. Yeah. Let's go. Go ahead. No, I was just going to, I was just going to say, let's jump over to Colossians too. Okay. I love Colossians. Oh my gosh. So good. We're going to start in um, verse eight, Colossians two, verse eight. 
beware that no one distracts you or intimidates you in their attempt to lead you away from Christ's fullness by pretending to be full of wisdom when they're filled with endless arguments of human logic. For they operate with humanistic and clouded judgments based on the mindset of this world system and not the anointed truth of the anointed one. For he is, Jesus, for he is the complete fullness of deity living in human form. And our own completeness is now found in him. See, here's the deal. If we don't actually buy into to this, this scripture right here, that he is the complete fullness of deity living in human form, we actually will never be able to reach what is available to us. We will never be able to use up everything that Christ paid for. Our own completeness is found in him. We are completely filled with God as Christ's fullness overflows within us. He is the head of every kingdom authority in the universe. This right, this scripture right here is actually a charge to us as the body of Christ to take dominion. His authority, the Godhead, is spilling over in us. What are we doing with it? What are we doing with it? What are we doing with the fullness that exists inside of us? Is it being crowded out by those um, endless arguments of human logic? Likely. Likely. We need to move on from there. Through our union with him, we have experienced circumcision of heart. All of the guilt and power of sin has been cut away and is now extinct because of what Christ, the anointed one, has accomplished for us. For we've been buried with him into his death. Our baptism into death also means we were raised with him when we believed in God's resurrection power, the power that raised him from death's realm. This realm of death describes our former state, for we were held in sin's grasp, but now we've been resurrected out of that realm of death, never to return. For we are forever alive and forgiven of all our sins. Mm. There he goes, lumping us up, lumping us in with him. That's so humbling. It's so humbling that that Jesus would would lump us in with himself. I mean, it's mind blowing that that he would take on our sin, mm-hmm. but then to offer everything that is his for us to put on display. And this is this is where we have to really grab hold of. Yes, the victory has been won. It really is finished. It's a done deal in the spirit realm. Mm-hmm. Why does God need sons and daughters of glory to put his victory on display? To make manifest his victory in the natural realm. Mm-hmm. That's how we join in in union with the Godhead is by laying hold of the it is finished and making it manifest in the natural realm. In uh, in my translation, Colossians 2.8 says, see, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit. Just empty words. Just empty words pull us from doing exactly what you're talking about right there of, of putting victory on display. Yeah. I want to jump over to Hebrews 1, starting in verse 1. This is so fun. It is. <laughs> Hebrews 1, 1 uh, says, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. 
uh, uh, it jumps ahead in time and back in time. Uh, you know, uh, uh, God spoke to the fathers by the prophets, and now jump ahead. He's spoken to us by the Son, who He has appointed the heir of all things, and then jumping back through whom He created the world. Verse three says, "He is the radiance of the glory of God in the exact." imprint of his nature and he upholds the universe by the word of his power after making purification for sins he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high his work was completed so he could sit down he didn't have to continue standing to do any more work there was no more work left to do but in verse 3 it says he's the radiance of the glory of god and the exact imprint of his nature Wow. The exact imprint of his nature. Wow. Uh, again, there, there is no uh, a division of his nature there. There is the exact imprint in fullness that we had on display in Jesus that we now have indwelling in us through the Holy Spirit. Are you getting your hanky out? I'm looking to see if I've got it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Jesus Some... is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature that we have to look at for the fullness of who it is that God yes. has revealed himself to be in this three in one nature. Oh, Jesus. Whew. What are we doing with this life? My God, he's done it all. Yeah. He's done it all. Yes, it's clean. I think it's Pepper who doesn't have a clean hanky. <laughs> This is this this particular hanky is only used for waving. Mm -hmm. It says, you want me to read it to you? It yes. says, I won't make offerings to my king that cost me nothing. Hmm. Yeah. So let's be like him. Um, that's so good. It's so, so good. I mean, all of these, all of these spaces of scripture are just they're so rich, so rich. Um, let's let's jump over to Ephesians one. Uh, so let's start in verse eleven. I like talking about Holy Spirit. Ephesians one, starting in verse eleven. Through our union with Christ, we too have been claimed by God as His own inheritance. Before we were even born, he gave us our destiny that we would fulfill the plan of God who always, note there that it doesn't say sometimes when he's in the right mood, always accomplishes every purpose and plan within his heart. God's purpose was that we Jews who were the first to long for the messianic hope would be the first to believe in the anointed one and bring great praise and glory to God. And because of him, when you who are not Jews heard the revelation of truth, you believed in the wonderful news of salvation. Now we have been stamped with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. He is given to us like an engagement ring is given to a bride as the first installment of what's coming. He is our hope promise of a future inheritance, which seals us until we have all of redemption's promises and experience complete freedom, all for the supreme glory and honor that belongs to God. Here's the deal. Those vain arguments that we get caught up in, whether or not Holy Spirit is relevant today or not, whether we've got them locked away within us, when we deny Holy Spirit the power to put Christ on display in us as the sons and daughters of glory, when we deny Him that, we are essentially saying, I don't. The right response is I do when you're talking about an engagement ring. A yes is the right response. But when we deny Holy Spirit the power to put 
the kingdom of heaven on display. We're saying, I don't. Can we be a people to allow Holy Spirit, can we yield to the Spirit of God and allow him to do what it is he wants to do? We know the plan is to cover the whole earth, the whole earth with his glory, like the waters cover the seas. The whole earth. Where do you think that glory is coming from? It's you and I. That glory is to come out of you and I. We are to spill out the essence of the Godhead to cover the earth. And that is what all of creation is groaning for. Forgive my dog. He's very active right now. (laughs) Making all sorts of noise. But that's what all of creation is groaning for. For the sons and daughters of glory to take their place. Yeah, wow. It is finished. Yes, Maria. The new better covenant was established between the Father God and the Son of God, the Son of Man at the cross. Yeah, the Holy Spirit is given to us and transforms us into Christ, the Son, to the one new creation that we already are in the Father before. Yes, 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 yes. Yes. First installment of what's coming. I love that too. I love that too. The first installment, the first installment of what's coming. Oh my gosh. And, and what I've tasted, it's so rich and so good, but it gets better. Come on. It does get better. We just can't think that we've arrived. Right. At this better. Right. Yep. I know the, the second installment. I, I'm curious about that too. I love Jesus too. Jesus, we love you collectively. We just raise our voice in one accord right now. And we declare that we love you. We love being yours. We love being marked by you. We love being engaged to you. We love being in the the unction of this first installment, God. And and can you just lead us out into the deep? We want to go into the deep. We want to go into the deep with you. We do not want to be lovers who shun you, who deny you what it is that you are after, what you want put on display. We want to be fully and wholly yours. Fill us afresh. Pour out a greater measure on us. Stir up, stir up inside of us that we would be ever aware of the residence that you have taken up within us. That we would not do anything to quench who you are, Holy Spirit. We want to regard you. Mm -hmm. Bring us into the Holy of Holies. Usher us in. Usher us in. We just thank you. Can we just lift our voices and thank him? I just, I thank you. I thank you. Just let the comments agree. I, I just say thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for bringing us in by the blood of the lamb. You've brought us in by the blood of the lamb. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. So thankful for what you've done on our behalf. So thankful. You have covered us and empowered us. Covered us and empowered us. My gosh. Look at what you've done. 
Look at what you've done. Continue to reveal yourself in us and through us. And help us, God, we pray that we would rightly put your victory on display in these days that are before us. That we would be bold and we would be courageous like you commanded Joshua. Make us bold and courageous, God, to go into the enemy's camp and plunder. Take back all that belongs to you. For your glory, for your purpose. Teach us to walk as ambassadors. Ever aware of our representation of you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, brand us. Brand us. We want our life marked by you. Mark us with union. Teach us how to function as one body. And to stand in our glorious union as a pure and spotless bride. And may the cry of our heart become Lord Jesus God. Amen. Oh, Jesus. I love being his. Don't you love being his? Mm. Mm. Wow. All right, friends. Thank you so much. Thanks for being on with us. Thank you for chatting with us. Yeah. I feel like we were we were experiencing oneness in real time. Mm-hmm. You joined in brilliantly. So thank you for that. And and we bless the rest of your week and see you on Friday.